Hello, everyone. I'm Paul Menzel. And I'm Jim Conlon. And this is New Tricks for Old Dogs. Our podcast features the many ways us older men and women howl at the moon, odd news items you don't normally hear about, and conversations with other old dogs who are growing bolder, not older. So if you've got 25 minutes or so, grab a cup of coffee, pull up a chair, and join us. In this episode, the old dogs ramble about the short and long-term effects of artificial intelligence. To that end, we report on advances in AI. We dredge up a bunch of slang terms you may remember from the 50s. We offer another pithy commentary from Kathleen O'Brien, our chief aging officer. And we educate you on the perplexing phenomenon of non-fungible tokens. The Old Dog's conversation is with funny man Dale Irvin, a man whom corporations pay to make fun of them. Stay with us. You're staring at me, Jim. I'm staring at you, Paul, because it's time to ask you what's on your mind. Oh, okay. Well, I'll tell you what's on my mind this episode. We have a pod nugget that addresses how people are being replaced in the workplace by robots. Yeah. And the robot could be software. Or it could actually be some hardware thingy, but it does... It starts me thinking about the future and artificial intelligence. Okay. How much are we going to be replaced in the future by artificial intelligence? You thought about that? Well, I have. I've thought about it a lot. And as a matter of fact, I've learned a little bit about it, at least in one respect. Oh, that's dangerous. Yeah, a little bit. It's a dangerous thing. Uh the industry that I have been a part of for many, many years is the voiceover industry, and that already is starting to be affected by artificial intelligence. In what ways? Well, I have been seeing ads on Facebook for artificially produced voices, uh, and the uh, nature of the ad is you may never need to pay for a voiceover again. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Voice yeah. artists unite, yeah. let me say. So they are claiming to have perfected the technology of imitating a human voice. Now, I know that's not true, but I have to believe, Paul, that if it's not totally true today, it might very well be in a year or two. Oh, I think without a doubt. And we need to find these people that are developing those things <laughs> and take them for a ride, right? Yeah. Um yeah, I, I guess what's scary for me is we have always thought that because our personalities are kind of quirky and irrational, that they couldn't duplicate it with a computer program. But that's not true anymore. Programs have gotten so sophisticated. What are we going to be? Are we going to be spectators in life in the future? Well, I don't know. But what would we be spectating? Uh, robots doing our job much better than we ever could. I would I'll tell you, my that. wife, if they came up with a robot that did really good house repairs, I'm out the door. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. According to my son, who just turned 40, he says, you won't believe the extent of artificial intelligence that is just on the horizon. And I said, yes, I won't believe it. Don't tell me. <laughs> you know, they talk about algorithms and how easy it is to perfect any algorithm to do any task. And so you get computers that tell jokes, and they're pretty funny. These are just based on algorithms for what human beings have determined is funny. Right. And I'm sure comics are now cowering in the closet. <laughs> there, there are some things that just really are not beneficial to uh 
make automated. I don't I don't think. Well, I agree, but I'll tell you what I think might happen. There might be this pendulum effect that artificial intelligence encroaches on way more than we really want and we resist it and so it and then the robots crush us i think i saw this movie (laughs) they call it robotic process automation or rpa it sounds innocent enough but it's replacing workers by the thousands This pod nugget is from the New York Times for March 6, 2021. Some of these RPA tools are simply apps from an app store that do dull but critical tasks, like reconciling bank statements or reviewing tax forms. Others are expensive, custom-built software with types of artificial intelligence capable of doing cognitive tasks that once required teams of humans. The trend has been growing for years, but it's been accelerated by workplace changes during the pandemic. Nearly 8 in 10 corporate executives surveyed by Deloitte last year said they were implementing some form of robotic process automation. Executives will explain these bots as being good for everyone because they liberate workers from mundane and repetitive tasks. However, independent experts say that major RPA initiatives lead to rounds of layoffs. Cutting costs rather than improving working conditions is the driving factor. As bots become capable of complex decision-making, their disruptive potential in the workplace is growing. Ellen Wengert, a former data processor, learned this lesson four years ago. She arrived at work to find a bot builder at her desk. He had been hired to automate her job. He asked her to demonstrate the steps of her job so he could finish designing her software replacement. Well, she now works as a second-grade teacher, hoping it will be many years before bots take over the classroom. Yeah, you keep hoping, Ellen. Well, it's time to resurrect a piece of boomer culture, slang from the 50s. This pod nugget is mined from the Little Things website. Do you ever feel out of it when you hear young people using current slang? Well, instead of feeling like a stranger in a strange land, the old dogs recommend that we repurpose slang from our youth and let our grandchildren feel uninformed. If something is hilarious, it's the big tickle, while lame attempts at humor are as funny as a rubber crutch. Beat feet means to run away fast to avoid trouble. In our case, it would probably be fast walking. (laughs) If someone is displeasing you, tell them you're cruising for a bruising or aching for a breaking. If you need to be more direct, ask... You want a knuckle sandwich? Something that excites or impresses you razzes your berries. (laughs) If you want to sarcastically put down something that's supposed to be exciting, you say, well, ring-a-ding-ding. An attractive woman has a classy chassis and would be a good date for the passion pit or drive-in movie if there were still drive-in movies. A good-looking guy is the living end or a dreamboat, while a total loser is a drip or a spaz. To convince someone you're telling the truth, assure them it's the word from the bird. If they're unconvinced, then you lie like a rug. If you want to assure folks that everything is all right, it's copacetic. If it's not all right, then it's the pits. Okay, Paul, it's time to put a lid on it, you dig? You mean make like a tree and leave? I mean, see you later, alligator. Yeah, not if I see you first. Oh, that is so Mickey Mouse. I'll get bent, Riff Raff. Now that's a conversation. And now, a word from our chief aging officer, 
Kathleen O'Brien. How old are you? Don't be ridiculous. I'm not answering that question. Is that what you want to say when somebody asks your age? For a split second, you can't decide whether you want to come clean about how old you are or say something clever to throw them off. Whether you're 60, 70, 80, or 90, though, you should be shouting your age from the rooftops. In every conversation that has anything to do with age, you should be telling people exactly how many years you have under your belt. There are a number of reasons for this. First of all, you reveal something important about yourself when you tell people your age. You're saying you've lived long enough to know a few things. You are mature, you have perspective and wisdom. Or, if you must, look at it this way. Would you rather be an okay-looking 50-year-old or a fabulous-looking 70-year-old? It's time to surprise a few people with the truth. You give yourself context when you reveal your age. Was Eisenhower president when you were a kid? Do you remember when Kennedy was shot? Did you watch the Watergate hearings live? Your stories are a part of history. You're a national treasure, and you don't even know it. The most important reason to tell your age, though, is to dispel the myth that there is something wrong with growing old. Growing old is the most natural thing we humans do. It's an inexorable process that takes us into an adventure of self-reflection, of piecing together the significance of our own personal journeys, discovering who we really are, and maybe getting a glimpse at what life is all about. If you're pretending to be younger than you are, you wouldn't be able to do any of this stuff. It's time to take a second look at how kids handle the age question. When you ask them how old they are, they say something like, I just turned 10. Nothing ridiculous about that. I just turned 73. All right, for this pod nugget, you're going to have to resist the temptation to ask what the world is coming to. It's about something that may be the next gold rush or more likely the next pet rock. They're called non-fungible tokens, or NFTs. Our source is the New York Times for April 13th, 2021, and the Forbes Advisor for April 29th, 2021. NFTs are a way of transforming a digital work that can be easily copied into something that's one of a kind by means of an identifying code on a blockchain. A blockchain is a list of records that are linked together using cryptography that's stored virtually. Think of it as a secure and verifiable proof of ownership. NFTs are becoming an increasingly popular way to sell digital artworks. For example, digital artist Mike Winkleman created a composite of 5,000 daily drawings. He called the work Every Days, the first 5,000 days. As an NFT, the work was sold for, get ready... $69.3 million. Oh, my. Mm. What makes it confusing is that anyone can view the individual images and even the whole collage online for free. So why is someone willing to pay millions for something that could so easily be downloaded and displayed? Well, the answer is you can brag that you own it. And owners prize these digital bragging rights almost more than the artwork itself. Here's a word of caution before you rush out and buy an NFT in hopes of reselling it for a few million. 
NFTs are risky because we don't have a lot of history to judge their performance, and its value is based on what someone else is willing to pay for it. If you have money to spare, knock yourself out. As for me, I like to understand something before I invest in it. Paul, hmm? I've got a deal for you. Okay. A digital photo of the Brooklyn Bridge. Oh. Dale Irvin is a funny guy, funny enough to make a living being funny, which he has done in a number of ways for a number of years. In celebration of Another Day Above the Ground, a podcast for boomers like us, we offer this comedic conversation. Uh, well, i tell you what, take us through a little bit of your background, Dale, if you don't mind. You grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, right? Grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. After college, I decided to sell life insurance. I did that for six and a half months, and then I, <laughs> and I completely ran out of relatives. And so then I got into the uh, advertising business, and that took me to uh, Chicago, where I worked for uh, two different agencies over uh, several years. I was uh, very proud of the fact I wrote the uh, slogan, Good to the Last Drop. No kidding. I, well, I wrote it for the Otis Elevator Company, so they never used it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how did you segue from the ad business into stand-up comedy? I presume that was your next challenge. I got fired. <laughs> That'll do wonders for your career choices. That, that was it. it. I, yeah. I had been working, uh, you know, open mic nights. I studied at Second City for a year and a half. And so uh, when they fired me, I said, well, there's not going to be a better time than now to give this a shot. Wait, so you were on the road for a, a bit? I was on the road forever. I worked just about every comedy club in the country. Then I discovered cruise ships, which, oh, uh, which oh. paid more than comedy mm -hmm. clubs. And I uh, sailed the seven seas for quite a while. Then I discovered the corporate market, which paid more than either one of the other two. And so I made another switch. I was a very humorous speaker, but there was a lot of us out there. So I thought, what can I do that nobody else can do? And that's pretty much write a joke on the spot. And that's what made me the summarizer. I was listening to uh, your show about uh, hacks. And, oh, yeah, recent one we did, right. And, and you brought up the idea about using an iron as a hot plate, and I said, the man has got to have been on the road as a stand-up comic. Absolutely. I learned that trick in college, actually, where we that's all we had was an iron and a cheese sandwich. I go, whoa, this will work. We can make a grilled cheese on the iron. And fortunately, you know, it wasn't our iron, so we didn't really care. <laughs> right. So you have all irons in your kitchen now? Is that that's all, that's all we have. You know, our right. clothes are all wrinkled, but our eggs are quite tasty. Dale, when you're hired as a summarizer, do you do any special preparation beforehand? If you can, I like to research the uh, speakers ahead of time. I don't want to see them ahead of time. I just want to see them live. But I want to research, see what they talk about, what's their experience, you know, what, uh, why, why exactly were they chosen to be there. But, yeah, if you don't properly uh, research your client, you can be in a lot of trouble. Well, listen, uh, given the number of conferences that are being held online these days, how has video conferencing affected large conventions? 
Video conferencing didn't really take off until the pandemic hit. I was still doing big conventions, you know, uh, in uh, 2019. And uh, so it didn't really hit until nobody could meet anymore. And then it started to, you know, come back in a, in a video format, which nobody yet has really mastered, but they're trying their best. And now there's word that conventions will be opening up again. So, Yeah, people are hungry for that personal contact. Absolutely, especially sales conventions. You know, they they need two things. They need contact with their fellow employees and they need the recognition that they get on awards nights and stuff. You know, so that's Mm -hmm. that's very important. Yeah. Well, tell us how your podcast Another Day Above the Ground came about. Well, Tim Slagle, who is one of my partners on this, he and I have been toying around doing uh, doing podcasts for a long time just because we enjoy getting together online once a week. It's like having lunch with a friend, you know, and we started out, we did a uh, one podcast called uh, Just Kill Me, which was about the worst possible jobs people uh, ever had. And then Tim and I got to think and said, you know, we, we never really had any really bad jobs, so we don't really know what we're talking about, but we are both baby boomers. And uh, so we decided to do a show aimed at baby boomers, which is really kind of silly. It's the only demographic that's getting smaller every day. Mm-hmm. And then we uh, we uh, got Carolyn Strauss, who is a friend of mine, as our third member to give us a uh, a different point of view. Carolyn is is the opposite of Tim and I, you know, well, because she's a girl and, uh, you know, and, and, and politically and and uh, and fashion wise and all kinds of anyhow it, it the three of us make a good combination and so we, we were deciding what to name it and i used to work in a cemetery in the summer when i was going to college and i'd pick up this guy charlie every day and take him to the cemetery i said how you doing today charlie look around he goes, that it's another day above ground <laughs> and that's where that came from great title and you obviously enjoy each other well, yeah, I mean, you know, we uh, appreciate each other's uh, senses of humor and respect each other's senses of humor. And yeah, we're uh, we're we're good friends off of the uh, microphone also. And so what led you to uh, start the Friday Funnies? That's just you alone on camera. That's an interesting story. Let's go back to 1994, I think. I was doing a lot of work for a Sprint. And at the time, Sprint had a deal going called Fridays Free, which was every Friday you could make as many phone calls as you wanted long distance for free. And uh, I asked him, I said, you know, I, I just don't make that many calls because it'll work on your fax machine, too. So I said, okay, I can do that. So I printed up a one-page Friday funny just to keep my name in front of people. And uh, I faxed it out to 100 people every week. And then uh, when the uh, Internet popped up, I started sending it via email. Then when the video part of the Internet popped up, I said, I think I'll make this a TV show too. Wow. Primarily done as marketing, and now it's just really because I I have fun doing it. Hmm. Whoever would like to sign up for here, here's a here, here you go. Go to Dale Irvin, I-R-V-I-N dot com. And right on the first page, you can sign up to get the Friday Funnies for free. Huh? How's that for a deal? For yeah, free? really. Can we turn around and sell them to somebody else? Or? Certainly. I'll give you my lawyer's number and he'll arrange for it. <laughs> 
Okay, let's get back to the podcast. Obviously, you have to come up with a lot of ideas to continue to make your podcast interesting. And I wonder if you know yet, uh, which are your more popular subjects? Well, we, uh, we've done several on, uh, on retiring, you know, south of the border in Mexico and stuff. We've done a lot of, uh, healthcare, uh, uh topics. We've, uh, I think our most, uh, our most popular ones are the ones that have to do with finance and, uh, you know, people, uh, baby boomers saying, okay, we got this money. Now what? Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're kind of kind of worried. But, uh, you know, and then every so often we'll just uh, we'll throw in a, a spoof show. You know, we'll have uh, different characters that are played by another friend of mine. And he'll be uh, he'll be a character in, in on some of our shows. I think we just had him for our Father's Day show. His name is uh, Buddy Fender, and he was the world's foremost uh, advisor. He, uh, he would give you advice on anything. It may not be any good, mm. but he'd give you advice on anything. Yeah, we just try and come up with basically stuff that interests us because we're baby boomers, so we assume everybody else is interested in it. Right. I, I would describe the tone of your show as naughty but nice. Is that fair? <laughs> oh, I think that's fair. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, you know, we, we have a lot of fun. We step on a few boundaries and toes, but hey, it's all in uh, good fun. Well, from your perspective, how has comedy changed? What kind of themes are are off limits now, or are, maybe there are no limits? What's your thoughts? Death of comedy is coming in two words, political correctness. Hmm. Things that used to be funny can't be said. I know numerous comics who have quit doing the lucrative college circuit. They said, we can't do our acts there anymore. It, you know, there, there's too many rules about political correctness and all this stuff. Is it's it's just not worth it. So, do you let that hold you back? No, <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm old. I don't care. You don't want to pay me? I'll go somewhere else. <laughs> well, how about your personal goals? Have they changed over the years? My personal goals have changed. Where now, the first goal I have in the morning is to get up. You know, and try and get out of bed without any pain. My goals are very limited right now. I I no longer have the uh, career-minded goals. I just want to keep doing stuff that makes me happy. And if uh, people want to buy it, that's great. Is there anything that you can see based on what you love to do that you haven't done yet and you would like to do it? Well, I have one project that I've been working on for several years, and I, I put it off for a while, and then I dive back into it for a while. I wrote a book called Dale Irvin Rewrites History, and what it's based on is we all know the history stories we were taught at school and everything, but the, the, that's history that somebody else experience. We weren't there. We don't really know what happened. And and so I rewrote history the way I think it might have happened and all kinds of uh, of history stories, everything from the uh, first New Year's to uh, the story of uh, Johnny Appleseed and uh, Beethoven, all, all kinds of famous <laughs> things. But I made them really, really funny to the point where fifth grade teachers were, were using this book for their students, because if they didn't know the real story, they wouldn't get the funny story. And so then I started thinking, well, if I could summarize history, let me work on summarizing, I don't know, the world's most popular book. And so I started to summarize the Bible. The Bible. 
And, you know, even though I, I'm, I'm summarizing it and actually making it funny, there's a lot of built-in fun in there. It's still way, way too long. So I got to cut it down. I'm thinking about making it the Bible's greatest hits. Uh, Dale, you, you are our contemporary. What's kept you going? What do you recommend to other people to have a productive life? Well, it all depends on how you term productive. Do you mean productive is, I mean, you have your uh, learning years and then you have your your earning years and then you slip into what I call your sharing years. Because uh, if your productive life means making as much as you can, I would say find something that you love to do so much that you do it for free and you'll never work a day in your life. So to be productive, love what you do and do what you love and plan for tomorrow because today is another day above ground. See what I did there? I <laughs> Ooh, slipped that, that right there. Oh, yeah. Very oh, nice please. conclusion. Oh, awesome. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, I've, yeah. I've got chills, Dale. <laughs> I won't <laughs> tell you where I've got chills. <laughs> like what you've been hearing? How about sharing the joy with your friends? We can always use more listeners. There are more episodes on the way, so stay tuned and keep howling at the moon.